Welcome to Financially Ever After, where award-winning and nationally recognized financial expert Stacy Francis will bring you savvy tips and words of wisdom on how to secure your financial future before, during, and after divorce. For 30 minutes every other week, you'll hear personal stories from women who have either faced or are currently facing this transition. In addition, you'll also soak up knowledge and inspiration from the industry's top legal, financial, residential, and mental health professionals. And now here's our host, Stacy Francis. So welcome everyone to Financially Ever After, coming to you every other week, bringing both experts as well as women who have lived through divorce. And we have one of my uh, dear friends here today, Karen Bigman, who is really both of these people living through divorce. And she also has created a really interesting company called The Divorcierge. And it helps women struggling with their families and finances during divorce and those trying to build a new life afterwards. Karen partners with individuals going through divorce, consulting with them how to navigate the complex emotional, financial, and logistical issues. Her work includes divorce planning, such as finding the right team of professionals to work with, including legal, financial, mental health, also helping with the statement of net worth, organizing the myriad of documents that are needed for discovery, as well as ongoing one-on-one coaching, including career and dating post-divorce. The Divorcierge also partners with other divorce professionals and organizations for events. And I know that you have quite a few events here in in New York City. So it's great to have you here. So Karen, um, tell me about your experience and um, what brought you to launch your company as well? Well, first of all, thank you so much for having me. Um, it, it's kind of interesting because the, the company grew organically um, post-divorce, but yet I had gone through the experience as well. So I, I wasn't quite sure where, where I'd go with it, but um, I'll start with personally, I was married for a little over 25 years at the end of the day and uh, two adult children and my um, husband and I decided to to split up uh, right around the time my youngest was in high school, which seems to be <laughs> uh, pr- pretty familiar uh, in, in my, my group of, of peers. But anyway, um, it was an amicable divorce and um, we, you know, we're still we're still friendly and we have a very good relationship and thankfully everybody's in, in good mental health condition. Um, but what had happened is in the process, I, I realized that now um, both being divorced and um, with my children out of the house that I that I was wanted to sort of find a way, a, a path, a career that that would fulfill me. And um, ironically, I walked into the local bank and ran into a very close friend of mine who had just finalized her divorce and she was trying to open a bank account um, and get a credit card and her ex-husband was on the phone with the banker because she couldn't get credit and she was totally overwhelmed with the whole process of opening her own bank account and um, I offered to to help her and and we ended up sitting down and I realized that she not only had issues with that but she um, she had never paid her bills she she needed to have everything set up online 
and her her internet was down. She didn't know who to call to get her internet up. I mean, it just yeah. grew from a, from a bunch of, of things. And from that um, moment, I said, well, wait, this is, maybe this is my calling, helping women deal with, you know, the after effects of divorce. And so I went on from there and it sort of grew organically. And I did some training and, and divorce coaching and, and life coaching. And um, I hung up a shingle and here I am a few years later. Yeah. And, you know, you bring so much understanding to this because you've gone through this experience, but that this is also what your life is is dedicated to. Um, you know, when you think about your divorce, what you've been through, the women you've worked with, um, what advice would you give to women who are coming out of their divorce, um, similar to the friend you, you talked about, who haven't been really involved in the finances, um, how to start to get on top of that. And also, you know, do you work with a financial advisor? And then that's a whole nother conversation of how do you find one? How do you know they're the right fit? Um, there's so many questions. So, so first going back to that piece of what would you say to women of coming out of this process that now are responsible for all their spending, they're responsible for all their assets. How do they start to get up to speed with what they need to know? So one of the things I, I learned recently, um, you know, because it was an amicable divorce, I didn't, I, I trusted that the process was going to work and, and I, I had a sense that I would be financially stable. So I never really hired anybody to actually do the math with me and to really help me understand what it meant to be entirely in control of my money, even though I understood the basics of how the how the family um, administration, so to speak, worked, um, and and then to help me, you know, say really project what my spending was was likely to be and how I was going to live for for the rest of my days. So I would encourage anybody who is, you know, even though you may be getting an amount that your lawyer says makes sense and it's the the or it's the statutory statutory limitation of what, you know, what what you're entitled to, it's so important to plan and to work with somebody who can help you really think about um, the expenses that you may not be thinking about and what does it really mean to have a fixed amount of money and not know that there's always going to be salary coming in from, yeah. from someone else or, or, or whatever. Um, and then from that to manage this pot that you you need, in my case, it was what I was going to live off of. So I, I wasn't yeah. working at the time and I had was hopeful that my business would bring in some income, but I, I couldn't count on it at the time. Um, and uh, I ended up thinking that I was vetting financial advisors and with a little bit of, of education, I have an MBA. And so I thought, well, I understand, you know, the basics, I'm not an investor, but I can pretty much understand when someone's, you know, pulling yeah, the wool I mean, over my eyes. Financial sophistication, you have an MBA from Columbia University. I mean, your, your financial sophistication is, is much higher than the, the average person, you know, walking the streets of, of New York, I would say even more so even than just you know, even down here on Wall Street, probably more sophisticated than a, a good number of the people. Thank you. And and so all the more, uh, I guess, kind of um, disappointed I was in myself that I ended up um, not really understanding what was going on when I thought I did. And um, I, I, you know, I don't want to badmouth my advisors. I don't think that they had ill intentions, but I don't think they really understood my lifestyle and um, where I needed to be and how I wanted to live in the future. Um, and I'll give you a couple of examples. In the beginning, I said, you know, okay, what's my 
what, what can I afford to spend every year? Like, what's the number? And this is your advisor that you hired after right the, after the divorce. Right after the divorce. Right. Okay. Okay. Um, and basically, what was happening was as I drew down my checking account, I'd call them and they'd give me money, and it felt uncomfortable. And I kept asking them, "Is it okay? Do I have enough?" And interestingly, I listened to a podcast with um, Dan Ariely, who is mm-hmm. a um, I think he's a behavioral economist. And what came out of it was that I realized I needed a salary, that I needed to know every month I get X amount of dollars because that's how my behavior is and that Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I needed something structured and it helped me really see what I was spending and then I could start to look at where I was spending it. So that was was piece one. So what I'm hearing from you, Karen, something that you were doing before, it almost sounds like it was just reaching out to the advisor whenever you saw that checking an account go down to that number. And then after this podcast with Dan Ariely, realizing that, no, 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 I need something put in my bank account as if it's a salary on a, a monthly basis and knowing that that's my amount to, to live on. Because I imagine that that's going to then give you some structure. Right and some parameters right. that oh, this is what I have to live on. Right. Did you feel comfortable that, that that number being put in your checking account was the right amount that was gonna allow your portfolio to be there till age 95? Did you have that comfort too? Or was that a number just kind of pulled out of the air? So um, I came up with the number. I didn't ask okay. them to come up with it based on the amount that they had told me I could spend. Okay. Um, so. And I also did, uh, you know, I, I, I'm should, sort of embarrassed to say it, but I kind of would budget backwards in that mm-hmm. um, every few months I download my credit card data. I, I use exclusively use credit cards because it helps me track see where, to track, it, track my expenses um, and see how much I was spending and divide it by, you know, monthly to make sure that I, that I knew. So I thought this, this was a good number. Um, and it was working until it wasn't working until the end of it happened two years and two years but last year particularly um, one of the investments or several of the investments that were made were uh, something called alternative investments and those you don't always know what the tax consequence will be until the end of the year mm-hmm. and I got hit with this crazy tax bill at the end of last year that I didn't see coming so I had spent all this money thinking I had, that was what I was allowed to spend, not knowing that I needed to keep a little bucket or a, a big bucket in this case to pay taxes. Um, so I started to dig a little deeper and with the help of somebody else, we sort of analyzed the, the portfolio and um, I realized what I thought was happening was actually not happening. So um, I don't want to get too sophisticated with the financials, and I'm, I'm not that sophisticated, but basically I put a certain amount in the pot, and my understanding was that the pot would grow, and I would live off the income as the pot grew so that the income would, so the, that down the road I would still always have some pot. Well, what happened was the pot stayed flat because I would get some income from the portfolio, but they would also sell things at the end of the year to give me what I needed, um, the balance of what I needed. And so the pot stayed flat. So what I'm hearing you say is that originally you thought, okay, here, here's my investment account. I'm, I'm only going to take maybe incomes and, and income and dividends right. from it so that as those stocks go up in value, which I mean, the market did phenomenally well last year, right. 
that you're going to see that appreciation. So that pot actually will, will grow right. um, because you're only going to take the interest. You're only going to take the dividends that are produced. Exactly. And you'll see that beautiful growth of, Correct. let's say, <laughs> apple growing yes. or, you know, whatever it might be. So it sounds like it was a surprise to you to see a great stock market year last year, but not see that in your portfolio. Right. So that was surprise number one. Surprise number two is that, and, and you know, I know, and, and, and of course, as a financial professional, you know this, there's no, no return is guaranteed. Yeah. But when the market was going over, you know, upwards 10, 15%, depending where you invested, over the last four years, my portfolio grew four and a half percent. So it's not clear, you know, other than going back and analyzing, is it because they pulled out principal? Is it because they made investments that weren't uh, ultimately profitable? But it was, that was a real rude awakening for me. Yeah. Um, and so I decided I was going to move to a, a new advisor. And I, I went with someone who I'd gotten to know who his big um, selling point was transparency. And he literally went through every single investment that I had and explained to me what it was costing me. And... Um, you know what what I might do differently so I learned several things in that process the most disturbing was that I was stuck in um, several of these alternative investments that I can't get out of for some period of time and they have to stay with the advisor that I was with because the it's new like, advisor doesn't carry them it's like golden handcuffs yeah. yeah and it's interesting so alternative investments it sounds very sexy mm-hmm. um, but there are a lot of things you have to think about when you're investing in these. Um, number one, you talked about how they have different tax implications. It also means that at the end of the year, when you're normally filing your taxes, because of the alternative investments, um, you can't file your taxes on time. Right. You have to get someone called something called a K-1. So it means that every year you're going to go on extension. Yep. Every year your accountant's going to charge you more because they have to do all this work with the K-1s that is additional hourly billable work. There are often bigger taxes. And the other piece is the fees. And was that person able to kind of peel back the onion to show you the fees in the alternative investments? Because some of them I've seen are are very expensive. Yeah, I mean, I. I kind of get what I already spent. Um, yeah. One of the things I learned, and I'm not sure if this was just the alternatives, but there were some other what they call managed funds or funds of funds. So they take a whole pool of some sort of stock funds and put them in an, in one envelope and sell you the the envelope. Um, but I know I learned that um, if you put a hundred dollars in some of these investments after they take the fees, you're really only putting in ninety seven. So the the three percent would come off the top. But then yeah. that 97, as it grows, you're paying your advisor mm-hmm. on whatever that 97 is. So those are the kinds of like minutia that seemed, I thought I understood, I thought I knew. Um, and, and you know, you, you also brought the point of the accountant. I mean, my accounting, um, I have, we've always, because my ex-husband uh, was is an investor, so we have always had to file late because of some um, alternative investments. But I have so many that my accounting bill was insane as well. So I, it's just thing after thing after thing. And I always thought the most important thing is that you want to meet somebody that, that you have a nice relationship with. And um, I, that's really important, but but it's more than just relationship. It's, it's really understanding uh, 
you know, what what is it really costing me, and what what is yeah. that number? Yeah. Um, so now what you know what I've done is I've I've moved what I could move. Um, we we learned a whole bunch of things that <laughs> changed a bunch of things around, but the income I'm going to be getting for the next couple of years is not going to be what I thought it was, and I really didn't look because I thought, okay, I know this is plenty of money. I can I can live a great life, and now I have to cut back and. It's not a bad thing, and I'm I'm you know very fortunate in that my cutting back is probably a lot easier than other people's, but it was just not my mentality. So it's yeah. really been um, eye-opening, and it's really helping me uh, help my clients too because yeah. uh, you know helping the the pre-planning is just so and the mindset, just getting in that mindset. Um, I don't have to go to Starbucks. I can make my, my own coffee. I don't yeah. have to get a new outfit every time I walk by Saks Fifth Avenue. I, you know, I don't have to go out for dinner five nights a week. And it's just what it is. Yeah, yeah. You know? I, I can't say enough, Karen, how much I appreciate you sharing this because your story is a story that's replicated hundreds, thousands of times over because women don't know necessarily what to ask an advisor and something that we just put together it's unbelievable timing that we're talking about this we just put together a list of questions so before we sit down with someone um, a potential client we give them a list of saying ask whoever you're talking to these questions excellent and the reason why we realized it is a lot of the women were coming to meet with us and and they didn't know what questions to ask. And I could see that there was that anxiety and having that list in front, it kind of tells you, oh, okay. And we used a couple of resources, outside resources as well. Um, but one of the big pieces is all about fees. And I know as women, a lot of us don't like to talk about fees. We don't like to talk about money. Um, at least I, I even do this with our, our, our babysitter. Um, I was like, okay, you're hired. Great. We love you. And at the very end, I was like, and how much do you charge per hour? <laughs> You know, and, and I'm like sitting there going, oh, please, oh, please don't be too expensive. Don't be too expensive. <laughs> And I'm at fault. I did it to the very end. Like I, I left it to That's the very funny. end. Like I hired her and then I didn't even, I didn't even know what I was hiring at that point. I mean, she could have said a hundred dollars an hour and bless, I had already hired her. Um, so fees are really important and there's been a lot of research and what they have found is that the average fee someone's paying working with an advisor is upwards of two and a half percent up to a portfolio of 3 million and, and how that breaks down is that you're typically paying one to one and a half percent to the advisor and then you have all those fees of the underlying investments yep. which is i think the piece that wasn't properly shown to you yeah. of that and there are some investments that might be charging you 0.2 percent which is very very little so very, very small fee, and that might be a Vanguard, that might be some other types of, of investments. But there are investments out there that are charging you like a 3%, or I often see um, mutual funds charging 1.5% or 1%. And all of these fees, they, they don't look like a big deal, yeah. but over time, I liken them to termites. <laughs> termites won't ruin your house 
immediately. Right. It, it takes time for them to whittle through and destroy your home. Right. And I feel like fees too, um, you know, you're not going to notice it necessarily day number one, but over time when you don't see your portfolio growing the way that it, it should or it needs, you realize wh- why is that? And often you'll look and you'll peel back the onion and realize, wow, look at these fees. So transparency, I agree when you're talking to an advisor, if they're not being transparent, um, kind of like if you're married and your husband's not being transparent about the finances, they're both bad signals. Right. Yeah, yeah, and and they also um, you can always coat things in something to make it look look good. You know, um, your husband's out late. He says it was work. I, I hate to yeah. blame the husband because wives do this too. Yeah, and it doesn't feel right. You know, there's probably something not going not going right. And in my case, um, the the um, reporting was always done in a way where they pit whatever the investment is to an index that made them look. Good relative to the index. So if they went down one percent and the index went down two percent, well, of course they did better than the the index. But it wasn't the standard and poor's index. It was whatever index reflected well. And the other thing was there were so many investments and things that it, it, it was clouded. And had I literally taken my money and put it in the stock market, I would be so much richer right now. I just yeah. like if just put just, in the S and P five hundred. Yeah, just done perfect. an index. Yep. yep. And can I tell you the indexes are really cheap too. Yep. Yeah. Wow. So what I'm hearing from you is you you need to feel comfortable, but you also really need competence. And then the third thing I'm hearing that is really important that doesn't sound like happened with your first advisor is that they really listen to you. I mean, what you thought you were getting in distributions of having it be from just interest and dividends was not what your advisor did. So it, it sounds like there was just a disconnect that he wasn't really listening to you um, and really letting you understand the full picture about your finances long term. But then it sounds also like there were so many different investments that he kind of didn't really know, you know, up from down um, and trying to get your head around yep. all that. Yep. And I will tell you, um, full disclosure, that my ex-husband was helping me um, and even spoke to them, and even he was completely shocked at the end of the day uh, what was going going on. And again, I don't think that they were doing it with ill intentions, yeah. um, but I think that for, for who I was and what my needs were, it was just way too um, sophisticated is kind of a, I don't know if that's yeah. the right word, but, but it was just way too confusing. And um, I think they were giving me a number that I wanted to hear too. That's scary. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and because hearing a number that you want to hear and not having that be a number that's sustainable is um, is not good. Yeah, yeah. I mean, so, yeah. as hard as it is to hear the truth, we need to know the truth. I mean, it. I, you know, I, I think of all the the things where. You know, you. I, I just updated our our financial plan, and I we had a couple things change, meaning that now my my daughter wants to go to private school. So she's watching her brother, who just moved to a, a beautiful private school, British International School, and he loves it so much that during summer vacation, he's telling us that. I miss school. And so he's been talking to little Samantha about how great his school is. And so now Samantha's saying, um, mom, I, I want to 
I want to go to British International. Well, as you can imagine, that's a unbelievable undertaking. So over the weekend, um, I was updating the financial plan and my husband hates doing this. So he was riding a bike, a stationary bike behind <laughs> me. And I, at least I had him involved, right? I'm like, okay, so you ride the bike. I will update it. I'll give you the, you know, and you know, I, I press the, the button that says calculate to see, you know, what would our portfolio look like now at age 95 with all this? And it didn't work. It didn't work. But the positive was, is that I went back to figure out what could make this work. Right. right? And so bless Mike. I'm like, Michael, you're working a couple extra years. I'm already at age 65. So you're, you know, age 50 retirement, not happening. <laughs> but, um, you know, essentially the good news is he loves his job, but you know, that that worst case scenario, you, you need you need to know. You need a plan. You need a plan and you at least to know that number. And so now we know what that number is. And you know what? Maybe we don't have to work as long if we reduce some of our expenses. You know, and that's you know, that's an option option too. Um, but as women we we need to know what we can live on. Because otherwise we're we're going to operate from that that same place of in our marriage, maybe not having all the information we needed to now us being on our own, 100% responsible for our own financial future yep. and not being 100% knowledgeable about that either. And I wanna just circle back to the, to the divorce picture because um, once you sign your divorce decree and you agree to the terms, you cannot go back. I can't no go, now go back to my ex and say, you know, by the way, um, we need to, do you think you could give me a little more money? Because uh, it's changing. Yeah, um, and it's not what I expected. It's not what I expected, and the market didn't do what we thought it would do. And, um, you know, it's just that's just impossible. So before you sign on the dotted line, do the financial plan. Really dig deep and really know, okay, if what if the market tanks in the next five years and, um, you know, this pot goes down and even though we projected something or what if I lose my job or what if I want to buy, in my case, I have a 10 year variable um, mortgage that resets now in six years or, or, or whatever the number is. And this new financial advisor said, have you been planning for that? Because we don't know what interest rates are going to be. And if not, your your monthly not for your mortgage is going to go crazy. I'm like, well, no. And oh, and by the way, you know, what do you, you know, what any big investments in the future? Well, I always dreamed of having a house on the beach in California, and that was kind of my long-term dream. Well, if you want to have that house in California, that means you're going to take out a certain significant amount from your portfolio in however many years. When would you like that house? Because right now it's not looking like you can afford that house. So these were all things that nobody asked me. Yeah. So yeah, really, really important. Make sure you th you think as as best you can, um, you know what what you might you might want. Yeah. And um, if you can have it, great. If you can find a way to get it, great. And but if you can't, you have to sort of readjust and say, all right, yeah, it's just stuff. And Karen, you're one of the most um, outgoing people I know. You're <laughs> out in the community. You know people. Um, so I imagine that helped you in finding that that new financial advisor. Um, for a woman who maybe isn't, you know, quite in the networking community or um, as involved as you are, do you have any suggestions? You know, reaching out to someone else that they know um, who's really happy with their advisor that might be an option. Any other thoughts that you would have? Yeah, you know, it's interesting because that's that I always people choose lawyers because their friend was happy with their lawyer. And what I'll say to that is that 
never do that because you never know what your friend's situation was and it's the same. That's true. Um, That's true. That's so, um, yes, you obviously want someone that, that you're happy with, but um, I think, um, I don't know, I, like, I, that's something I'll do with a client, whether it, you know, is kind of help them understand their questions. Uh, bring along a friend when you meet the advisor that has um, has a math mind or, or was not afraid, like me with my, with my outgoingness. It's not afraid to ask the advisor and call them on the question, what is the fee? So tell me yeah. really, what do you mean when you say 1%, what does that mean? If I give you $100,000 on January 1st, how much money am I gonna have on December 31st? Yeah. And if you're afraid to ask those questions, there are plenty. Sometimes it's easier for your friend to ask the question than for you to ask the question. So yeah. um, I would do that, and I and and I would also don't be hoodwinked by people just because they have a big company name behind them. Sometimes that that's a good thing. Sometimes it's not. Understand mm-hmm. um, what what the regulations are. Understand um, what what is being if anything's being guaranteed. Know that that's impossible. No <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I mean, certainly start with people who your friends have been happy with, but understand that their financial situation may be very different from yours. So the other piece that I wanted to um, just talk a little bit about, you're one of the strongest people I've ever met. And the one thing though I have heard from individuals is that changing from one advisor to another is hard. Um, Did you find that as well or you know, did you, was that a tough, um, a tough conversation with your old advisor explaining that you wanted to leave? And how did you prepare for that? Because I have read and, and talked to a lot of our clients that the hardest part of moving to an advisor, even if you know that you need to do that, you must do that, it's the right thing, is to then have that conversation with your current advisor and telling them that you don't want to work with them anymore. How did you do that? That's a great question because that was hugely emotional. I oh, didn't yeah. I didn't realize how emotional it, it was. Um, I, so as a coach, I have coaches and I've been training in different coaching um, programs and I literally would have people coach me on it and um, I had to find my voice. I had to find my voice and I will tell you that um, the senior advisor got defensive and said some things that at which point I was like it was so um, condescending to me that at that moment had I not had I been waffling I, it was so clear to me that I was in the wrong place um, and um, it was a very hard it was very emotional it's funny I, I've had two points in my life where money really brought out some very some some tears and some fear um, this time it was tears and fear and the, the, the other time was when I when I bought my apartment I was on my way I was telling Stacy this earlier I was on my way um, to the closing and um, I was on the subway platform I remember this like it was yesterday it was winter but I, I had my big coat on and my glasses and I burst into sobs and I'm like what is going on here and yes it was a big you know big commitment financially but it wasn't I knew I could afford it at the time, at least I thought I could. Um, but um, it was the magnitude of this decision that I made for the first time at 52 years old. I made a huge financial decision entirely by myself. On your own. And that that is another thing. It's like trusting yourself. And so when it came to the the, the advisor, um, I, I remember I said, "Do I want to ask my ex-husband's opinion?" Because we have a good. And I said, "No, this cannot be his. This has to be my choice to make." 
because um, nobody's going to tell me, you know, I, I have some, my gut is telling me something's wrong here. I have to listen yeah. to it. And, and it was hard. It really yeah. was hard. And yeah. it took it took me months to finally have the courage to 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 do it. And I needed to have done my homework to know what was I really had to understand what was not working yeah. so that I could have the backup. And then I said, you know, this is this is what's going on. And they, and they still tried to woo me in different ways. And I, and I don't blame them. Um, but uh, I, yeah. I knew I know I made the right decision. Yeah. And I, I was reading a really interesting article that was um, written by a, a, a financial planner sharing how hard it is to have that conversation. And they they gave a tip that I I just thought was really, really smart. And their tip was, imagine, your life moving forward, knowing that you're in good hands, that you're safe, you're secure. And then I want you to think about being uncomfortable for five to 10 minutes to be able to gain that. And Karen, I felt like that was a really uh, insightful way to talk about that, of that five to 10 minute conversation that you're going to Mm -hmm. have explaining to your advisor, knowing that they're going to will you, I mean, you, you have to, you, you really do. And, and we've even had some people just send an email because they feel like that, mm-hmm. that email, um, is going to be, it, it takes a little bit of the burden off. Um, but that then will yield you the ability to feel more comfortable, to feel safer, to feel more informed as well. And it's empowering because yeah. I, I made the choice and, you know, I'll find out in the next few years if it was, a, you know, a bad choice. But even if the math doesn't work out, I still feel personally, I feel heard now and I didn't feel heard before. I feel like, yeah. like they, they got me. And that's really what, what, you know, what it's about. You want someone that you trust. And, and sometimes it's you trust yourself better than anybody. If, if you think you can manage your money well and you've been doing a good job, just because somebody says you need an advisor, like you should get advice. Mm-hmm. Um, but maybe you can manage yep. things yourself. And, that's and there okay. are all different kinds of ways. Also, if you do want to work, there are advisors that work hourly that you go and see like a, a doctor, yep. you know, you go in for a little checkup. Um, there are some advisors now that have retainers where it's almost like you're paying a cell phone bill on a monthly basis. Um, and then there are those that, you know, are the advisors that, you know, you pay a percentage of assets under management and it's the whole, the whole thing. Um, but there are a lot of different a lot of different ways out there um, that you can find the help that's right for you at right. the right price point, at the right, you know, and, and all of that. And that's the best thing about this industry now versus where we were 10 or 15 years yeah. ago, because I don't feel like there were as many as many options out there. So, And the, the funny thing is, at the end of the day, that um, the place where um, my ex was uh, where our, where our money was was because he works for a financial institution is where I ended up back at some with someone else and and had we just done it then it would have been so much simpler and but hindsight yeah. is twenty twenty so you know what and you're so much more informed you most likely would not be as informed as you are today without this experience exactly right? absolutely no everything happens for a reason yes. it was a gift and it's in its own way and and it's it's only money uh, you know I'll 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 find a way yeah. you know it's it's really I'm I'm very lucky. I'm not. I won't be on the street. Everything will be fine. And it, and it's and it's a great learning experience for me. And it's and it's all going to work out. Yeah. And also, you're informing hundreds and hundreds of women who are listening to this. 
And so with that, I want to make sure that we wrap up and, and have time for you to talk a little bit about your firm um, and the work that you do. And also just for our listeners, um, that wonderful list of questions to ask a financial advisor. We're going to make sure that that link is in the show notes so that you can have that so you go into any type of a situation armed with the right questions to ask. And so, Karen, can you tell us a little bit about um, Divorcierge and um, the work that you do? Because there's, I mean, so many different aspects from during the process to afterwards, even helping with dating, which is, you know, something that a lot of women are, are wanting to do, but, you know, haven't done that for, you know, years, yes, decades, and yes. really don't know where to start. So tell us a little bit about that. Also, how um, women can get in contact with you. Um, so, um, at the different points in divorce, so pre-divorce, I really help people kind of understand the, the divorce roadmap and what's ahead of them, what, what to face. I, I have a lot of great contacts, both like Stacy in the financial industry and, and certainly um, attorneys that, I, that I've worked with and that I try to match my clients um, personality-wise and situation-wise. So I can support through the process, helping you understand what the documents are you need to collect, et cetera. And then as the process um, comes to a close and emotionally um, you have start, started to get in a, in a healthier place, um, we will talk about um, dating, um, career, things that uh, are, are part of your next chapter. And I will tell you, uh, depending where you are in your life, most of my clients are actually millennials, but um, it is really great to start over <laughs> if you have the opportunity. I mean, divorce is not a happy thing and it's it's you know unfortunate through the process but once it's over like there's just this whole new world out there and it's a lot of fun if you are prepared for it and if you're in a healthy emotional place so don't don't fear don't fear dating it's, it's a lot more fun now um so my uh my website is thedivorcierge.com and that's like um divorce concierge in uh, one word um and um i have a complimentary consultation of 30 minutes on the phone if you want to just see if there are ways we can work together if you're in the new york city area uh coming up in the fall i have a whole bunch of things um i have a divorce 101 class i have a negotiating your divorce financial settlement class and a dating in the new world class all coming up um, and then I'm also launching a post-divorce women's group called Super Girlfriends Club by the Divorcierge so that's coming up uh, starting in September as well so hopefully uh, some of you will will meet me in person at one of these events that's great well thank you and also we'll make sure in the show notes that we have um, the website and your email and, and all of that so that no one gets confused with how to spell that right you know, so <laughs> we're all set so thank you so much for being here and thank you to all of our listeners for being at Financially Ever After, um, coming to you every other week with great time content. Um, if you do have questions about your financial situation and would like a second opinion, um, please do reach out to me and we'll do an x-ray analysis on every single holding in your portfolio, better understand its performance, um, if there are any embedded fees, what those look like, essentially giving you more information. Um, the Wall Street Journal did an interesting study um, recently. 81% of individuals said they would appreciate a second opinion about their investments. So I guess you're, you're in good a good uh, company if you if you feel that same way and how you can reach out is stacy s-t-a-c-y at francisfinancial.com or you can reach reach out to us via our website and that's www.francisfinancial.com 
Thank you for being here, Karen. And thank you so much for everyone listening in.